Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, conservative leadership hopefuls square off tonight in their first official debate. What I would like to do, though, is talk about ideas, I'd like to talk about policies that actually make sense for Canadians. And I'm looking forward to that at this next debate coming up in, uh, in Edmonton. I want to hear how, you know, each of the different campaigns, how they propose to actually create some action and, and get things done on the housing file, for example. A U.S. senator has some harsh words for Canada's NATO contributions. We still have NATO allies, Canada one, who just freeload and it's getting a little tiring. And the government will appeal an Alberta court ruling that the federal environmental impact law is unconstitutional. We consulted broadly with indigenous communities, with Canadians, with industry, with legal experts from around the country. We are very confident that this is constitutional, that our position will be upheld. It's Wednesday, May 11th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. So tonight, for the first time, all six uh, federal conservative leadership candidates will share a stage and debate each other. It's the first official debate. There was, of course, the debate last week, but Patrick Brown wasn't there, and it wasn't a debate organized by the party. Uh, what do you expect? There has been a nasty tone to this race so far. And despite warnings from uh, party uh, stalwarts like Peter McKay and Preston Manning, uh, that hasn't changed. So do you? what do you think about tonight's debate? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any of the candidates uh, suddenly, you know, see, I mean, uh, the leading candidates among the leading two or three or four at the top. I don't see any of them suddenly abandoning their attacks on the others because this is, uh, um, in some ways, the only way they can make this point at this stage of the uh, leadership election campaign. So uh, they're going to have the whole summer, you know, uh, to kiss and make up, but I, I just can't see that happening. There's too much angry water under the bridge. Um, and also, I think that uh, in the case of Pierre Polyev, his followers would be so disappointed if he were suddenly to become nice and accommodating and reasonable. That's not what they want from him. They want him to be uh, an attack dog, and they want him attacking everybody who looks like anything like the establishment so-called. Um, so, uh, and that, you know, is embodied by Jean Charest and, and his campaign. So, uh, I, tonight also we're going to have Patrick Brown entering the debate, as you mentioned, for the first time. And he's already been firing back and forth uh, with the Polyev camp. So, uh, and I don't see him really backing down. So, you know, it's going to be, uh, I think, another tough debate. Although, that said, Mark, I was reading through the rules. This is going to be one of those complicated debates with, a whole bunch of different stages, you know, lightning rounds and uh, right. vision statements. And, and they even have something sounding quite kinky, which is the so-called rebuttal paddle. Um, you know, so <laughs> I, that one, I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, I, don't, I don't, you know, you can only make so many rules. If people don't want to cooperate with them, then they tend to be somewhat futile. But I think yeah. it'll be another feisty debate. Yeah, sometimes the the format can be overcomplicated, but I, I want to drill into what 
you said there, which I think is really important. There is, you know, Peter McKay, I mentioned, you know, others have said, oh, there, there's too much fighting going on. This is going to damage the party. And, and I would suggest that there's lots of evidence that, that would indicate that actually it doesn't damage the party. You, you, you could look to the United States and say Donald Trump was far more insulting to his fellow Republican candidates during the primary season. Um, and people said, oh, you know, he's not going to win the the uh, the nomination. Not only did he win the nomination and the presidency, he kind of took over the party and and is, is still the de facto leader of the Republican Party. So I don't think you can rule out the idea that that you you can take over a party by being belligerent and and insulting your fellow candidates and. And that there isn't an appetite for that among a certain component of the population. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with with that. Uh, although I would make the caveat that that's the U.S. and this is Canada, and sure. there are you know some very significant differences in in outlook and in politics. Um, but uh, yeah, there is a populistic strain running through this campaign uh, that we see in the person of Polyab and to some degree Leslie Lewis. Um, but, you know, populism, uh, you know, it, it is it remains to be seen how well it will work in Canada. Uh, if you take it as being exemplified by the trucker convoy uh, this winter, uh, Canadians were not impressed with that. They did not see that as a freedom uh, instrument. They saw it as a uh, privileged and entitled bunch of spoiled people demanding things they're not entitled to. Um, and I think so. I, I do think that a, a federal candidate of whatever party is going to have to very carefully walk that line uh, and not bend over into a point where you're just yelling stuff and slogans and not making any sense. Because Canadians actually do want to hear what people have to say, and they do want somebody to look like they're capable of leading the country and not just protesting. Hmm. All right. Let's talk about uh, Senator Dan Sullivan uh, from Alaska, who criticized Canada uh, during a congressional hearing in Washington yesterday. He said that uh, we have NATO allies, Canada one, who just freeload, and it's getting a little tiring. Um, There's been some discussion about whether Canada will spend more on defense, on military spending in in the years ahead to get closer to the target of 2% of GDP. Uh, So here's some criticism from one of our NATO, well, from somebody who uh, is a senator within one of our NATO allies. So what do you think about that? Well, you know, Canada's been uh, criticized in exactly the same vein by better men than him, or I shouldn't say better men, but more famous ones, i.e. Mr. Trump himself. Sure. Uh, you know, Trump was... Con- even even Barack Obama, NATO. right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, right. This is a constant refrain. And, and I mean, you know, it's not entirely without basis. Canada has lagged on that front. There isn't a broad national consensus to spend more on the military. I do think the uh, Ukraine situation is, is, is starting to... Uh, stir that kind of interest among Canadians, because they see that there is a tangible threat out there. I mean, most, most of us, you know, we, we live on this continent that's far from the uh, bullies and aggressors of the world, and so our oceans are our greatest, um, you know, defense force. But at the same time, 
the the military does have to be fed. It does have to be staffed too. You know, we can buy all the tanks and guns we want, but right now we don't have enough soldiers and sailors uh, to keep the uh, military going, and we're ha- and the country is having a hard time recruiting people into the military. So uh, we don't have a, a coherent long term. Uh, defense strategy. It never gets debated seriously in Parliament other than by a few uh, few MPs and senators who have a, a personal interest in it. And, I mean, it, it really is time for Canada to, to look at where it's going on the military, decide what it's doing, not because the Americans want it or somebody else wants it, because what's right for Canada. And this is one of those things. I don't hear any of the conservative leadership candidates talking about it. And um, as, a, as a result, this is defaulted to the liberals, uh, who sometimes are interested and sometimes they're not. So that's the situation with it. No candidate or party has the mandate to press ahead with, with increased military spending in Canada at this point. Yeah. All right. Finally, Dan, the Alberta Court of Appeal uh, yesterday said the federal government's environmental impact law is unconstitutional. The federal government says it's going to appeal. Uh, this this act uh, was, was brought into effect in 2019, and it lists a, a series of activities that trigger an impact review and allows the federal government to consider the effects of new resource projects on some on a range of environmental and social issues, including climate change. And Alberta is saying this is treading into provincial jurisdiction. So uh, I'm guessing that this will probably go all the way to the Supreme Court. Well, I think the Prime Minister has already said that the, the federal side will appeal this decision. So, yeah, it's headed for the Supreme Court. And, you know, good. Uh, let's, let's have the court look at it from all sides, uh, hear the arguments that are there to be made. <clears throat> you know, right now there seems to be not very much support in the current Alberta government for uh, effective measures to protect the climate uh, and and the environment. Um, if the feds are the ones that are pushing ahead on this, uh, challenges can be expected. And uh, I, it's kind of a surprising um, decision in Alberta. Uh, but yeah, this is going to turn into a, a discussion that will go to the Supreme Court. And then ultimately, Mark, it will go back into the political realm uh, for action and decisions and, and further legislation or, or federal and provincial measures, but it will go back into the political realm because that's the only place anything ever gets done. Yeah. All right. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, Mark. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. During the, the pandemic, I personally negotiated $4 billion for municipalities. Another $1.2 billion we gave municipalities for the, the pandemic. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt argues, Doug Ford has become an unlikely role model for the conservative leadership hopefuls. Delacourt writes, It's doubtful that any of the six conservative leadership contenders took time out on Tuesday to watch the Ontario leaders' debate, which is too bad. There were clashes, sharp ones even, among the four on stage, but all four talked about practical policy issues and getting Ontario back on its feet after the pandemic. We've seen what happens when the Conservative candidates talk only to each other, and it isn't pretty. This next debate is a chance to see how they behave when they talk to people beyond the room and beyond their own party. 
In the conversation, Sam Routley considers what Doug Ford's shift to the centre says about the longevity of populism. Routley writes, The onset of the COVID-19 pandemic showed a new side to Doug Ford. His government's response, while far from perfect, suggested Ford was empathetic and, most importantly, concerned about the practical success of policies. Rather than disparaging the media or other governments as part of the elite, he developed a solid working relationship with the federal liberals. This suggests that a contrarian populist appeal, while it could be useful in attaining office, is much more difficult to sustain as a coherent, effective, and popular governing strategy over time. At National News Watch, Ala Dragola Burke and Michael Harvey argue Canada's outdated privacy laws are holding us back. They write, Canada's current privacy law, which governs how Canadians' personal information must be handled and protected by businesses you share it with, was brought into force about 20 years ago. While there have been some tweaks to it since then, the digital world we live in today is vastly different. Canadians are connected like never before. And as virtual activities continue to increase, businesses and their customers must be confident that their data is protected. Simply put, Canada needs 21st century privacy legislation to help get the job done. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period. He will also meet with the Secretary General of the Organisation Internationale de la Francophonie. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will attend the NDP caucus meeting. Before speaking with the media about gas prices, he will also take part in question period and meet with the Premier of Nunavut. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, May 11th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.